Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Jordan Ryan, Senior Director of Government Affairs at Illinois Policy. The General Assembly is set to return to Springfield on January 5th, and Jordan's going to break down for us what we can expect to see and what Illinois Policy is focused on this legislative session. Jordan, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, I've been waiting to come back and, and, and do the show again. I had a lot of fun last time, so. It's been too long. It's been a long time. Way too long. Yeah, I know. Weeks. And it seems like you only want to talk to me when session's about to start, which is kind of hurtful. But yeah. uh, I know some things about other stuff. I mean, not just limited to the to session. Like so Baseball cards and stuff. Baseball cards. You want to talk a little bit about art, the food scene here in Chicago. I mean, anything, really, you know. Right. Well, like, I, big TV guy. Now that I know you're a renaissance <laughs> man. I promise not to put you in just a just put me in a box in a like cage this. Like that. Yeah. I appreciate um, it. Um all right. So let's talk about the General Assembly. Because I see all of the news stories coming out about their return to Springfield mm-hmm. and um how there's gonna be this really short session. Yeah. And I the branding is it's gonna be condensed. Condensed not like shortened. milk, not uh, not shortened <laughs> like bread. Uh yeah. So uh last fall. President uh, Harmon and Speaker Welch made the announcement that uh, April 8th would be the adjournment date. First time in my my dealings down there that I've ever heard not, you know, the normal traditional May 31st at 11.59 p.m. Uh, adjournment time. Um, and then there was some sort of speculation over the, like, following days after that announcement that, oh, that's just like kind of a soft date and, you know, that's not, you know, that's where they want to aim at. But then they were like, no, this is firmed up. And so when they printed the calendars, I mean, the calendar says on both the Senate and House calendar on on the website, you know, April 8th is adjournment day, which, you know, I think is still some like somewhat hard to believe, but maybe that's just based on our our past work down there. So we'll see what happens. Well, if listeners don't believe you, TK, maybe they'll (laughs) believe the Chicago Tribune. I thought this was an interesting note in their story. Lawmakers finish by April 8th, like you're saying, be the earliest the General Assembly has adjourned since the 1970 Constitution took effect. Wow. The other times they adjourned, well, one in April 15th, on April 15th in 2000, mm-hmm. then May 4th in 2006, and they're both election years. Yeah. Election think- years. So they just don't do anything during election years? Well, typically an election year is is lighter uh, in general as far as like substantive bills go, um, kind of focus more on things that need to happen for the state to operate. So, you know, the budgets, uh, sunset extensions, on things that, you know, might be expiring in the, in the coming year um, or, you know, uh, and then anything that's like really just kind of pressing matter um, that needs to be addressed. So those are typically the kind of thing. So it's not like this is, you know, not doable, um, but I think it has a lot of people sort of kind of running around because, you know, when you see 55, I think it's 55 days or 52 days in total. And it's, in, like you said, kind of condensed into this time. When you see it in, on the on the calendar, you go, there's just, there's just no way, right? Like, there's just no way that we can do this. For whatever reason, that security blanket of having an extra, like, you know, month and a half to do some work, I think gives people a lot of, like, assurance, even though truly probably doable, you know, in that same time frame. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, the the weird thing is that like the, the state of the state and the and the budget address are are happening 
um, and, and then a normal time frame. And so usually, I mean, that happens in February. Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, you think about all of the, and we talked about this in the last show that I was on with like the appropriations committees meeting over February, you know, March, April, and then kind of the budget kind of really coming together in, at the end of May, you're now only saying a couple weeks in February, all of March, and then the first week of, of April to do that, right? And so um, even if it's the same amount of days, it just feels tighter window, can more constricted. So I don't know if that's going to make things move more efficiently or if it's going to make people kind of like spiral out and go, this is too much, you know? Oh, boy. Well, the media is focused a lot on let's just get the budget done. That seems to be the big piece. You mentioned that. Obviously, mm-hmm. there has to be a state budget. Yeah. Um, so that's number one priority. Pritzker's always saying that's his number one priority. Yeah. Um, it's really fun, knee funny to me to read how well people think that Illinois finances are doing yeah. the, over the past several years. Yeah. But we can talk about that more <laughs> later. Really helps to have federal bailout. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else do you hear people talking about in terms of what might get done? Well, you know, I think in the immediate, so uh, session was supposed to start uh, January 4th, um, and then I, I think we were scheduled to be in until that second week of February, and that's the only week break, um, and then back in through April 8th. Um, they have canceled uh, the 4th and the 6th now of January with uh, sort of a warning or uh, heads up that likely the next week will be canceled as well and then potentially even the following week um, all based around um, you know a spike in in COVID cases and all that stuff that's happening Um, so I think on the fifth what we're going to see first is a an extension of the house rules to allow for remote um, hearings and votes and stuff like that Uh, the senate made it permanent for their for their rules um which means it's just limited to the uh, 102nd GA, so the current General Assembly. But you know, when they renew their rules, they'll have to take that up again. Uh, the House was wary to do that. A lot of members were, and I think rightfully so. I don't think that we should have just been making this a, a, a habit. So that's probably the first and foremost thing that you're going to see the House take up. Um, there is an issue in the elections bill that was passed back in May that needs to be addressed um, in regards to, um, and I believe it's it's focused on how petition circulators are notarized or how the, the petition form is notarized. So um, that's kind of holding some things up, um, which is, you know, January 13th is the first day that petitions can start being circulated. Um, and so that's a very small time frame to start going back in and opening that up. So I think they need to kind of take care of that immediately. And that's probably like the big focus for then. There's always, you know, uh, there's the talk of addressing what happened with the safety trailer that kind of failed to, to move during uh, a veto session. So some fixes there. But, I, you know, I don't have a lot of details exactly on, like, what they want to do necessarily. I know there's some date, some date issues that would make it easier for administrative stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of controversy around that uh, bill. And obviously we've been seeing... Um, a lot more reports of, you know, carjackings and, and robberies and, and muggings and that sort of thing happening uh, in the city. But it's not limited to, you know, just the city of Chicago. I mean, it's kind of sprawling out into the suburbs and your suburbs and stuff like that. I mean, we had the shooting in Oak Brook. Um, so there's a lot of people kind of going, is this something that we really want to try to fine tune or if we should maybe take another approach? 
Um, and so I don't know if that bill is going to move. And, and it's not to say that there aren't good merits in it. I'm just saying in general, I think that that's a button. That's a hot button issue in an election year. And we were talking about how a lot of times things don't take place in an election year when someone can, you know, not, doesn't have to go back far reach in their memory and, and pull out some kind of vote. They can go, this literally happened two months ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is this, you literally just voted on this thing that we think is bad. So we'll see what happens there. Um, on that bill, um, Budget bimp, obviously, the biggest issues that need to be addressed. And then, you know, one of our issues, but I think is something that is kind of gaining steam throughout the legislature and, and is, is something that will be sunsetting. Um, not it, it, the taxable year sunset is, is pushed back till 2024, but the effective date basically is kind of a 2023 stop. So we kind of need to address it in the next uh, this, this upcoming year, um, is the, uh, tax credit scholarship that's going on. So we want to make sure that that, that's something that we either push out the sunset, um, remove the sunset altogether, which would be ideal for us and make the perm, the program permanent. And for or, anyone not familiar with that program, it's a program basically where you can donate money to this invest in kids program and it's tax deductible. And then low-income kids can apply for scholarship aid to go to a private school, right? Correct, yeah. And, um, you know, the, the program has seen a lot of success. Um, it's it's very popular. Um, but like most things that happen uh, down in Springfield, um, there is an end date that's assigned when something's like new put in there called a sunset. And... Um, they do that for a couple of other re- for for a number of reasons, um, but part of it is to kind of uh, revisit after the program is coming towards the end of its of its life or that set parameter of time to see if it was actually a success or not. Um, and I think by most people's judgment, this would be considered a success. In those instances, you know, it's either appropriate to you know push the sunset out further than what it had originally been set at or to remove it if it's something that they think can be something that would continue to have that sort of success. So um, I think either thing would make us happy. Uh, Obviously, making it permanent would be the best option for us. But I I, I do think that that's something that's going to be um, an issue outside of of our doing as well. I think people are going to take that up um, because there is sort of a clamoring for that amongst the varying caucuses out there. Yeah, so. I, I hope that you're right. I think that you're right. It seems like it's got huge bipartisan support. Yeah. You know, if you want to talk about metrics for success, I was just reading some of the numbers on the program, and I think the wait list is like 30,000 families who want to get access to this program. And yeah. so, you know, it, it seems like there is need and mm-hmm. then there's political will. So yeah. I'm hoping that can move. Those are usually the two two most necessary things <laughs> right. and you know there's and it's it's making for strange bedfellows uh, as well because there's a lot of like groups that would probably never ordinarily work on something kind of coming together and saying this actually benefits you know a, a, a segment of the population that needs the most amount of help and stuff like that but then it has broader um, you know, ripple effects and throughout society. I mean, if these kids are getting great education, if they're learning uh, trades and getting diverted from maybe something where they wouldn't be successful if it's a four-year program or it's setting them up for the four-year STEM or whatever it is and, and getting them in and being successful in their careers, like that means that Illinois, and hopefully they stay here in Illinois, the next generation is better off and we're going to have, you know, a great workforce, well-educated workforce and 
skilled workforce. So it benefits all of us. Well, I'm glad you pivoted to talking about some of the things that we want to see happen and starting with this uh, Invest in Kids mm-hmm. program obviously is our one of our top priorities and it seems yeah. like it could actually move in, in spite of the condensed session. Yeah, condensed. Um, but let's talk about some of the other things that are in the, the hopper here because I know you're on calls all the time with <laughs> lawmakers and their staffs. Um, you're heading down to Springfield really soon too. So what are some of the other priorities that are top of mind for you? Well, um, we have our uh, tier three pension implementation. So back, I believe it was, was it 17? Uh, I think it was 2017. We established a tier three pension system in the state, um, which allowed for state agencies to offer uh, employees that are tier two the ability to switch over to a tier three system, which is sort of a hybrid between defined contribution and um, the traditional, you know, state-backed pension system, um, and gave a little bit more flexibility. This was something that was again bipartisanly supported, um, and in a weird sort of, you know, maybe intentional or not uh, loophole, let's say, I guess uh, there was no implementation date. Uh, and basically, that means that this thing became law. It's out there. It exists. People can kind of ask for it if they want. Um, and state agencies should offer it. But there's no direct date in which they have to do this particular thing. They have to offer it to their employees. And so um, our bill is in our one is very simple. Pick a date. <laughs> Any date. <laughs> um, is it 2022? Is it this year? Uh, yeah, I'd be great we should be able to they've had you know four years to come up with a plan for it um is it a year from now to give them sort of time to catch up for something that they should have been doing like whatever that date is and we will land on a date i think we're in negotiations right now um is is probably necessary and it will help um alleviate some of the the pension debt that we have uh if people are choosing to kind of mix their money with you know uh what can happen in the marketplace versus what the, what the pension system owes. Um, and then also it, you know, I think gives people a better option for those that are not maybe the long-term employees that are, are sticking around for, you know, government or municipal service or whatever it might be. And we talked about, you know, proving need and proving the appetite for something like this with the invest in kids legislation. What about tier three? Do you think that there's an appetite for a hybrid retirement system among government workers? Well, you know, I don't think the the appetite has to be for that particular thing because it already exists, right? Like, so we're kind of beyond that, I think, point. I think there should be an appetite for people that have want that are wanting to address the pension system crisis, but are but are wary of something like a constitutional change or or funding rates or whatever like whatever their solution is like that is probably somewhat of a third rail this is a good opportunity for them to kind of do a test balloon on like what the appetite is for larger pension reform while still also making a difference in the current crisis you know and saying you know you and i were literally just talking about how sometimes we like to be proven wrong and not sometimes we would love to be proven wrong on a lot of things this is a good one that if like this works out and we see a mass exodus from tier two to this hybrid system that like we could we could probably be proven wrong on a lot of our other solutions or or that there was a need for these other things um and so there, you know that could be the appetite that we're looking for not necessarily the the creation of the system that already exists mm-hmm. so 
Uh, what about other bills? You know, we've talked about things like adding a three-day reading requirement so that big bills, you know, like the budget, don't just get passed through at the 11th hour. What other items are on your legislative watch list? Yeah, I mean, we have we have quite a few. Um, that, that being one, and I think is something that um, we want to make sure that the taxpayers um, are aware of what's happening down in Springfield and are given the opportunity to contact, you know, their direct lawmaker or the committee, you know, people that are taking up the issue in that particular time, whatever it might be. So they have an ability to address those those things and concerns. Um, But we also have a realistic approach to what it takes sometimes to move, you know, expeditiously through the process and all these sort of things. So, you know, again, like this is a three day reading requirement on a broad sense is what we want. But you know, for any of those legislators out there listening, we're willing to negotiate on a lot of the finer points <laughs> um, and, you know, be reasonable about some of this stuff. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we have an unemployment uh, insurance issue happening, and there seems to be a pile of money that is accessible uh, to kind of address that right now. I mean, we've been talking about how great Fed money has been overall for the state finances and UI uh, is definitely one of those areas that we could, you know, address that and is, is needed. And, and and businesses have been putting up with quite a bit um, over the last two years now almost um, in regards to like what's happened as government shut down in regards to the pandemic. And so um, we held them hard. Uh, well, we, the government held them, held them harmless when it came to uh, unemployment, uh, uh, occurrence, occurrences during, you know, March of 2020 through September of 2020. And then they extended it out to December. And then, you know, it's been it's been kind of pushed out there. So the whole harmless thing was necessary. But now there is a, a, a huge shortcoming uh, shortfall within the uh, trust fund itself. And I think there is a, s- a simple solution. Take the money that's already been approved from the feds and just pack her in there. So all right. Yeah, I see in our notes for that bill, which I I hope moves. Um, we appropriated two point eight billion dollars from the American Rescue Plan Act in twenty twenty one for this year's budget, mm-hmm. and now we've got five point three billion dollars left to provide relief for Illinoisans. So I agree. I think that yeah. a lot of these small businesses need this lifeline. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I, you know, wh- while it was great that we held them harmless um, and they should have been, by the way, that's not like like that seems like a gift or something like that. Like that should have always been the case. It was uh, to no fault of their own that this happened. Right. Um, but at some point, um, people have to pay the piper. Right. And the, the fund has to continue existing beyond this. And so um, whether it's through a, a new formula for rate uh, for fund building um, or it's higher. uh direct taxes on them through their through their liability um the fund has to grow and maintain so you know you can only hold them harmless for so long essentially and if the money exists the money exists like let's use it Mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna wrap here in a little bit but how many days will lawmakers be in springfield what's your guess well uh i think they said if i remember correctly was between 52 and 55 but I, I can't remember exactly the, the count, but obviously two have already been shaved off with the potential for three next week and then maybe another three the following week. So um, already sub 50 then, if that's the case. Um, condensed, not shortened. Con- condensed, so yeah. <laughs> why, why does this matter? If you're listening right now and you don't pay attention to this ever, you know, the fact that lawmakers are only in the state house for a set amount of time, how would you explain to that listener 
why it matters that session is shaved by you know month plus. Well, if it's condensed and it, those are about the normal amount of days that, mm-hmm. you know that we're in. If I, I think I think it's twofold, right? Or it cuts both ways, rather. So one, it can prove that the work can be done in a certain amount of time. So this idea that like long drawn out days and all these sort of like silly games that get played with like parliamentarian procedure are just totally unnecessary if we actually just sit down and do the work and we work cooperatively and there's things that you know that are being addressed as like top tier items and we can actually do this in a way that would save them money and would save people all the time and the hassle and all that other stuff and could be more transparent and open because it would be that the other side is that if it if it ends up not working and it's a complete disaster well then we put a lot of people at risk um through like you know not having the budget out in time and all these other things like that so i think it's either um it's an experiment i think it can either be wildly successful and prove that like kind of the old way of doing business isn't necessary should be left that should be the old way um or that maybe the old way was actually the only way we could actually get things done and then which case you know experiment failed so All right. Well, thank you for presenting both sides of the coin there. (laughs) You always do a nice job of that. And uh, good luck when you're down in Springfield this week. Thank you. I appreciate it. Talk to you later. See ya. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.